Hello, I'm James Jacobson in Maui, Hawaii. And I'm Pamela Lawrence in San Francisco, California. And I'm Caroline Winter in Adelaide, Australia. Welcome to Dog Edition, the first show designed for you to listen to while you walk your dogs. Coming up, they're the eyes for hundreds of thousands of blind or visually impaired people around the world. But could robot guide dogs be the future? And creating the perfect temperature in the car for your pup. We meet the man responsible for Tesla's dog mode, and it's not Elon Musk. And as always, stop by the hydrant with us at the end of the show for a rundown on some of the doggy headlines that have captured our attention this week. So if you love dogs as much as we do, pause what you're doing, leash up your pup, and let's take a walk. We've got a lot to talk about on today's episode of Dog Edition. Hey Pepper, wanna go for a walk? So, it feels like it ought to be doggy dilemma time again, Pam. Dog, da-dum-dum, doggy dilemma. (laughs) What is the update on your rogue, on the dog next door? So, I was spying out the back window uh, on the neighbor's yard. Spying? Uh, I was. (laughs) I was. I was checking on the welfare of the dog. Okay, good. good. And I noticed, I I had a moment of panic because I noticed a second dog in the yard. (sighs) Oh, no. And I got very, very worried that maybe they got a second dog. And they were planning on leaving both dogs out all the time. And I, I had had it. So I, right. I did write a note. <laughs> and I I said, I didn't sign my name to it. So I did kind of chicken out on, on that part. <laughs> chicken, chicken out. <laughs> I said, yeah. from a concerned neighbor. And I and I wrote a note. And uh, and I, you know, I stuck it in their mailbox. So. <laughs> and? and has anything happened since? Um, so the second dog, I don't see there anymore. So maybe it was just, just a visitor. Uh, the, the first dog is still there and it's still out all the time. I'm going to give them a couple of more days and maybe see what happens over this, uh, this weekend. And then, and then the second note, I'll, I'll sign my name too. I love that you went anonymous. I thought that that was a really clever idea. I don't know. It's kind of a chicken idea. (laughs) (laughs) I hope this dog continues to thrive. <laughs> um, otherwise, it's we're going to so have very cute. sad doggy dilemmas. Oh, I know. Uh, well, let's not put a blind eye to the welfare of this dog next door. Speaking of blind, Jim, you've probably come across someone who is blind or visually impaired being guided by a dog along the street, on and off buses and through public spaces. Now, they're, of course, guide dogs, and they've played an invaluable role throughout history. In fact, much further back than you might realise, which we'll hear about in a moment. Over time, not much has changed in the way guide dogs empower people who are blind. The dogs are carefully trained and matched with a person in need of the service. But in this high-tech world in which we live, how might all of that look in the future? Pam has the story. Dogs have been helping to guide people with vision loss for at least as far back as the year 79 AD. Excavations in Pompeii revealed a wall painting of a blind man apparently being led by his dog. A Chinese scroll from the year 1200 shows a blind man being led by a dog, and we hear about it again in the early 1700s in the ballad The Blind Beggar of Bethnal Green, about a knight who lost his sight in a battle and subsequently became a beggar. His friends gave him a dog on a lead, along with a bell. Those are just a few of the instances throughout history of dogs guiding people. The modern-day story begins during the First World War, with thousands of soldiers returning from the front, blinded, often by poison gas. The first systematically trained guide dog was issued in 1916 to a blinded veteran, Paul Fayen. 
It's a system that seems to have been working throughout the years. Christine Benninger is president and CEO of Guide Dogs for the Blind, which has been a leader in the industry since 1942. The guide dog helps you move through space the way a sighted person would move through space, which means you avoid the obstacles. You go around them. A quadrupedal device that sort of resembles a dog, albeit a mechanical one, guides a blindfolded researcher gripping the leash through a maze of obstacles, sometimes with a leash taut, sometimes with it slack. This is an amazing accomplishment for a robot guide dog, and one that may eventually be another mobility aid for people who are blind. So this enables our system to lead the human to travel through a very narrow space, because when the, when the robot leading a human enter a very narrow space, now, if the leash keep being taut, it cannot, you know, travel past through it. But the, the dog, you know, our robot can let the leash to go, go slack, and then he will reposition and reorient itself. The project leader, Zhongyu Li, says the team modified a quadrupedal robot called a mini cheetah from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. With the team's software layered onto the hardware, the robot guide dog successfully led its users to the end goal without any collisions. The project is ongoing, and the next step is to program the robot to climb steps and navigate curbs so it can eventually be tested outside. And uh, I think the, the, the last step will basically to let the robot, uh, our guide robot guide dog, to lead the human outdoor, like, you know, to travel kind of on, across the campus, across the road, you know, detect the traffic lines, all kinds of things. And a speech interface is on the wish list. So the robot can, you know, understand what... Uh, what what human is talking? Moreover, it can also you know talk to the human. Like if the human is kind of very you know very dangerous you know, situations, as well as the ability to press elevator buttons. The robot dog can detect the buttons in the in the, in the elevator and they just push the button for the human, and um, yeah, and the, to lead the human to where like uh, which floor that he he want to go. Yeah, so this is the kind of um, you know our ongoing work, and uh, this is all based on our current work. I wondered why robot dogs, when real live dogs, have been helping to guide people with visual impairments for hundreds of years. Some reasons are obvious. A person may be allergic to dogs or uninterested in the care that comes with living with a dog. Zhongyu says it comes down to cost. So training a guide dog like in the U.S. usually costs about 50K dollars for guide dog schools. Getting one coach belt is only 10K, 10K dollars. And ease of knowledge transfer. You know, the skills on one dog cannot be transferred to another dog. So you need to read. If you want to have a one more guide dog, you need to retrain that. Once one algorithm is developed, it can be copy-pasted for all kinds of robot dogs. The possibilities seem endless. But I wanted the perspective from someone who has worked with guide dogs, the non-robot kind, and people who are blind or visually impaired. So um, guide dogs for the blind, um, what I like to say that we do is we really provide independence for, into people, for people who are blind or visually impaired. And we do that through the use of a, an amazing, well-trained guide dog. Christine is excited to see the possibilities technology can add to the solution. The, the way that you know, we look at it from a guide dog perspective is that you know, there is no one solution that meets all needs. There, and, and, and there isn't, you know, everybody is different. And so the more solutions we have out there, the more individuals with visual impairments 
you know, have that opportunity for independence. Independence is only one part of the solution, though. Oh, gosh. I, you know, I, I get, I get, um, you know, I choke up at some of this, but um, it's really that companionship and bridge to the community that a guide dog provides. Blindness is isolating. A universal love of dogs often invites people into conversation. This is especially important for differently abled people who experience isolation. When you travel with a guide dog, all of a sudden everyone wants to be your friend. Um, as one of our clients said to me is that, my God, you, you have to be an extrovert if you have a guide dog because everyone wants to talk to you. And um, that's a really wonderful thing because I think that, you know, when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, we're not quite there yet with inclusion for people with disabilities. There's a, there's a little bit of a fear that, that we all kind of carry around somebody who is, is different. You know, they're in a wheelchair, they're, they don't see that, you know, they're, they're just differently abled. And a guide dog is something that bridges that gap. We all love dogs. And somehow that's that icebreaker for me to talk with you about that. Guide dogs are custom trained to meet the needs of their person. The creation of a guide dog starts at the DNA level. So we actually, so we have the largest breeding colony of labs and golden retrievers in North America. Our dogs are known for, you know, their temperament um, and their ability to do this work. We start training our guide dogs at three days of age. Each dog is trained to the specific needs of our client because each each client is different, right? You know, um, I may I may live in downtown Manhattan. You may live on a farm in upstate New York. It's true that a lot of resources are needed to train a guide dog. A lot of people are involved in the process. An average of 251 volunteers are needed to help a single puppy become a guide dog. But it's a free service for clients in need, and the companionship and community around the guide dog lifestyle is priceless. Um, absolutely. And I appreciate you actually bringing that up because that, I think, is one of, I, I don't know, unique benefits, uh, features, um, sort of special somethings that comes with being a part of, the, of guide dogs. There is this amazing community. Um, among puppy raisers, among our clients, and between puppy raisers and clients. Um, there is a whole community of alumni. And so we have alumni clubs, again, all over North America uh, that meet regularly. And people make lifelong friendships, not only lifelong friendships, we've had many marriages that have come out of <laughs> these you know, these opportunities, which I think is absolutely fantastic. While the robot guide dog is still in development, it may only be years away from being a realistic option for people who are blind. And beyond that, Zhongyu sees a future where robots and humans coexist in day-to-day -day life. Um, I think that it uh, will coexist with our, in our human environment and be our friend and to, you know, to provide some on help for a for daily kind of a purpose. And maybe in the best of both worlds, somewhere between technology and humanity, 
there's another option, one that's more of a hybrid solution. I don't see any type of technology ever completely replacing a guide dog because of all of the other things that we have talked about, that bridge to the community, the companionship, being that soulmate. I think, you know, I think it's great. I, 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 I really do. Um, the more technology there's out there, you know, we're also hoping too, the more that we can incorporate into the guiding experience. So, you know, um, it's not just them or us. I think there's opportunity for partnerships as well. I thought that was awesome. I love the idea that robot guide dogs are, you know, eventually potentially going to be able to work hand in hand or in some way with, with the real dogs. And this whole idea of blending dogs and tech is, is pretty cool. Speaking of tech, when we come back, dog mode in a Tesla. We'll be right back. You're listening to Dog Edition. And now, a message from your dog. Every day with you is like a day at the beach. And I want as many beach days as possible. I want to run and sniff and find a good stick to carry. I want to roll in the grass and warm my belly in the sun. I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want Everpuff. The green, grassy, beef liver spike smell wakes my senses. You may not realize this, but it tastes like homemade gravy, especially when you wet it. It infuses any food you give me with health and life and vibrancy. I can feel it, Everpuff, traveling to every cell in my body, nourishing each one. It helps me feel like I'm on top of the world. I'm so glad you're giving it to me every day, because every day I'm so glad to be with you. I wouldn't have it any other way. I want my Everpup. It just makes me feel good. I am so grateful to be your dog and for the Everpup you give me. So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpup, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpup is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup, every day. Welcome back to Dog Edition. Here in the United States, we're heading right into the middle of summer. And what a summer it is. Parts of the country are smoldering, with temperatures reaching record highs. On the West Coast in Portland, Oregon, it hit 112 degrees Fahrenheit. Or 44 degrees Celsius here in Australia. (laughs) And on the East Coast, New York reached 96 degrees Fahrenheit. That's about 35 degrees Celsius. That's hot. And if we're uncomfortable in that kind of heat, imagine what our dogs experience. We need to keep them in mind because each year around the world, hundreds of dogs die from heat exhaustion after being left in parked cars parked cars that can quickly become ovens. While most dog owners do the right thing, some clearly don't. So electric car manufacturer Tesla thought it would help out its drivers and introduced remote climate control, a luxury feature that quickly morphed into a safe way to briefly leave a dog in the car through temperature regulation and monitoring. But the story doesn't end there. Here's Jim with more. One night, I was coming home from the studio, and I, I had to stop by the kind of 
pet store, big box pet store. And I usually never go to those. I go more to like the grocery store because there's less dogs. Because my little chihuahua just goes crazy when she sees a dog. That's Josh Atchley. He's an award-winning film and TV composer living in Los Angeles, a city that knows a thing or two about hot weather. In some circles, Josh is better known as the guy who tweeted Elon Musk. Here's why. So I decided to leave her in the car. I had just gotten this Tesla. This is back in 2018. And it has this app where you can draw on the screen. The sketchpad feature on the touchscreen was a fun Easter egg that Tesla engineers added to a firmware update. Elon Musk tweeted about it. Of course he did, because that's what Elon Musk does, along with some of the pieces of art that were created and sent in by drivers. The feature was meant to be fun rather than functional, but it gave Josh Ashley an idea, a way to avoid the inevitable sideway glances that he'd get for leaving Biscuit in the car while he ran a quick errand. So I tried to start, like, draw, I'm fine, he will be right back. And uh, so it didn't work because I guess when you walk away from the car, the screen goes off. You can't hear a Tesla running. It's a very quiet car. But you could hear and see Biscuit acting kind of agitated. A number of concerned citizens stepped in to alert store employees. And so when I got into the store and I ran in, picked up a few things and uh, got in line and I hear this this lady come in and she goes straight to the cashier and she says, uh, there's a dog in that car over there and she's barking like crazy, you know? And I, I, I like kind of hold my phone up and I, I say, well, hi, uh, yeah, it's a Tesla, it's an electric car. It's got this climate control. Uh, she's fine, you know, and she kind of gives me the side eye and, <laughs> and walks into the store. That's one. So then I'm like second in line at this point in time and another lady comes in and she says the same thing, but she mentions the car is off. She's like, oh, the car is off. I've... And I said, well, it's an electric car. And then she brings up something about like, in, carbon monoxide or something. <laughs> and I said, well, it's, it's electric. There's zero emissions, you know. And she kind of gives me the side eye again. And, and I'm just trying to get through the line. That's two. Another lady comes in and she, she's like, there's a dog in that car. And I said, oh my gosh. And the, the cashier and I think the guy behind me actually said, it's a Tesla. And three. It was enough. Josh went straight home with Biscuit, who was fine, by the way, and straight to Twitter to tweet Elon Musk. Yeah, I just sent him a tweet, like, please, like, could you put in a dog mode? Dog mode. The idea being that the screen could be left on in the car, and then it could display the comfortable ambient temperature, either air conditioning or heating, inside the car, along with the message, my owner will be back soon. Don't worry. And uh, he just replied, yes. And that was it. <laughs> yes, from Elon Musk. Well, within two months of that, Tesla pushed dog mode to their cars. The state of California put a law on the books in 2016. 
It protects citizens from criminal prosecution and civil responsibility when the only option in order to save a dog from dying in a hot car is to break a window. This is something Josh had on his mind that day at the pet store. You know, because that was my nervousness sitting in line, you know, like somebody's going to smash my window. My, my dog always looks like she's in distress if you come up to the window because she'll bark at you. It's a normal reaction to show concern for a dog in a car, especially on a hot day. Just two minutes of time in a hot car could cause an air temperature spike from 80 degrees to over 94 degrees. A dog would begin to experience rapid breathing or panting, lethargy, and a rapid heartbeat. It could become a critical situation quickly. This summer has already brought the western United States record-breaking temperatures in June, and parts of Europe recorded a similar heat wave. It should go without saying, but leaving a dog in a car for even a short amount of time could be deadly. Unless, of course, you have a Tesla. But I'm so glad that Elon listened. Hopefully a lot of car companies can adopt the same technology or not even technology it's just the concept you know it's it's simple it's simple although that's not foolproof when the tech was still new a couple of cases of concerned citizens alerted authorities thinking the dogs were left in hot cars when actually they were sitting in the lap of luxury also there are limits dog mode uses the car's battery to operate the climate control system and screen sending you an alert on your mobile app if the battery reaches less than 20% charge. Also, depending on your local and state laws, you may not be permitted to leave an unattended dog in the car, even with the air conditioning on. And in case you're wondering if a tweet to Elon Musk with the right idea could bring you fame and fortune, well, think again. People have asked, have you been compensated or anything? I'm like, nah, it's just hopefully we can save some dogs. That was so fascinating. I, I want that in my car, which I just might add is not a Tesla. Um, but how cool is a, is a big screen? And you know what? I think that they should have an added feature where they can play Dog Edition or any of our programs from Dog Podcast Network. What do you think? Now, that is a real great idea. We need, we need to share that with Elon and maybe we'll see that coming out soon. I'm sure he's listening. You just have to tweet him. He, we, I will <laughs> do that. You just have to tweet him. Well, it's time to stop by the hydrant now for a quick rundown on some of the doggy headlines that have captured our attention this week. Yeah, so, you know, last week we covered fireworks and how to protect our dogs. Well, there was a very clever dog in South Carolina that did not get the message. So last week, a lab mix named Raja got spooked by fireworks, jumped over a fence, and ran off. The owners searched and searched but couldn't find Raja. They put the word out on social media. No luck. They waited up that night for him to find his way home. Then, about 10 hours later, they heard scratching at the front door, and their, <laughs> and their, doorbell, their doorbell was ringing. And this was like uh, 3 in the morning. The ringing the doorbell. It was not the dog. It was the dog. So the doorbell camera caught footage of Raja <laughs> jumping up at the door, pawing at the doorbell, and looking directly into the camera. <laughs> so dogs are going high tech. We, we've been doing high tech throughout, and the dogs know how to use the ring doorbell. That is pretty cool. Well, I think we, I think we know that they're smarter than us. We've known that for some time, right? <laughs> 
Kara, what caught your attention? Well, speaking of smart dogs, um, I came across Digby, the Australian Labradoodle. Now, before I get into the story, the reason I say the Australian Labradoodle is, which I only found out some time ago, but the Labradoodle was actually created here in Australia um, in the late mm-hmm. 1980s. Yeah. Um, he, though, Digby, um, was in Devon in England and he's helped save a woman who was thinking of taking her own life. So she was on a bridge over a motorway in Devon and firefighters and police had been trying to talk her down and that wasn't working and everyone was getting extremely worried, as you would be. So one of the firefighters thought to bring in Digby and Digby helps cr- their crews during trauma therapy sessions and thought maybe maybe this could have an effect. When Digby arrived, apparently the woman turned around and smiled and started a conversation about his role in the fire service. She then agreed to move to a safe position back over the guardrail when she was asked if she wanted to meet the dog properly. So a very happy ending. She was looked after by mental health professionals and Digby has been hailed as amazing. Oh, absolutely. I love that. Digby is a hero. That is so awesome. Well, from the hero Digby to a hero dog named Dig. He is one of the dogs who is uh, involved in the search and rescue efforts that are going on in Miami or just outside Miami, Florida. His handler is Nicole Nolte, who is the battalion chief of the Broward Sheriff's Fire Rescue Squad, and she's been working with Dig for over 10 years. They were on the scene within 12 minutes of the of the 911 coming in, and they have been working with crews from Israel and Mexico and from all over, and you know, canines have really usually very important in this type of a search and rescue effort. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of good results right Mm -hmm. now. One of the things that I learned is that there are two sets of dogs that they use. There are dogs that are looking for people who are alive. And then there are dogs, a different set of dogs that look for people who are perished. And um, Dig is looking for dogs who are alive. And Nicole says that it's actually really a little difficult for, for Dig in this one because um, it affects him emotionally because he feels like he can't do anything and it actually feels like the dog becomes a little depressed. Mm. But dogs are on the rescue there in Florida. Wow, that's that's heart-wrenching and, um, and quite beautiful too. Well, that's all the hero dogs we have to report on this week. But I want to thank you for bringing Dog Edition along with you on your walk today. Now, we'll be back next week with another episode. But chances are that you and your dog will be taking a walk between now and then. And we have something else for you to listen to. If you'd like to hear more from some of our guests, please check out DPN's sister show, The Long Leash, for Jim's extended conversations. This week, I am joined by Nicole Kincaid. And we discuss her special needs dog rescue organization, Perfectly Imperfect Pups, Pips. It's a great chat. Looking forward to that one. And on the next episode of Dog Edition, putting smiles on faces around the world. How a border collie riding in a car through a COVID testing station started an Instagram sensation and lifted the spirits of those on the front line. That story and more. Visit dogedition.com to listen to some of our back catalogue. And there is a button on the bottom right of every page on that site where you can easily leave us a voicemail and share your story ideas and thoughts with us. 
And check the show notes for links and information about the guests on this episode. We are looking for correspondence as we continue to grow this podcast and Dog Podcast Network. So if you are a content producer or a journalist or a podcaster or an audio storyteller and you love dogs, well, check out our 101 Dog Stories contest. There's over $15,000 in prize money and the URL is dogpodcastnetwork.com slash 101. And we'd love you to join our pack. So follow Dog Edition in your favourite podcast app and tell a friend about the show too. I'm Caroline Winter, your resident newshound. And I'm Pamela Lawrence. See you at the dog park. And I'm James Jacobson. Again, thank you for listening today. On behalf of all of us here at Dog Podcast Network, we wish you and your dog a very warm aloha. Is artificial intelligence going to change veterinary medicine? Well, it already has. Right now, on Dog Cancer Answers, we're speaking with Dr. Kelly Deal of Morris Animal Foundation about how AI is impacting veterinary research and the practice of medicine itself. That's on Dog Cancer Answers. Get it wherever you get your podcasts or at dogcancer.com slash podcast.